This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan and joined as always by the returning Joe Saunders. Oh, Joe. no. Nick's not here. <laughs> well, now you just give away the big secret. My bad. We kicked Nick off the podcast after his pathetic host job last week. And we replaced him with somebody much better. I'd like to welcome the baseball shows, Andy Singleton. What's up, guys, man? Happy to be here. Uh, been seeing a lot of tremendous work you guys have been putting out. Happy to be under the same roof as you guys at Fantrack. So happy to be on the show as well with you guys. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. Andy is among the hardest working people in the industry. He does a hell of a lot more than we do here. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't sell yourself short, man. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, let's jump into the news and notes from around the league. The big news, of course, Corey Seager out for the year will need Tommy John on his elbow. Devastating news. You guys, talk Seager, owners off the ledge. Who should they target to replace him? Joe, yeah, do you want to go first? Oh, I'll go first. I'm here for the ride. How you guys want to do this? I'm down. I'm following your rules, so... Uh, I'll tell you right off the bat, though, and this is a death blow to me, uh, to my fa- uh, my great fantasy baseball invitational. Oh, no, team. you have him? I do, and uh. I was really against drafting him everywhere, but I forgot where I took him, but he, was just, he fell deep enough that I was like, it's I, ha- I can't let him, you know, I can't skip him anymore. Uh, that's the only reason he's on any roster, because it, it was definitely a value where I got him. But now the worst has been realized. And as an owner, yeah, Joe, talk me off the ledge because I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so in a league that deep, um, m- most guys worth rostering are already owned. Um, I mean, in shallower leagues, right, I think the name that pops off is Eduardo Escobar. I mean, he's got a 33% ownership in Yahoo leagues. Um, and we've talked about him a bunch here. Uh, he's a guy that we really like. Um, Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, in in a league that's 15 teams, it's tough. You're probably going to have to make a deal. Um, You know, a guy that's made a swing change that's making some noise, Daniel Robertson in Tampa. Um, Chris Owings is going to get the playing time in Arizona still with Souza out. He's an option. Uh, I actually think that Chris Taylor is an interesting buy. A lot of people on Twitter are very, very nervous about Chris Taylor and his production thus far. They came out today and said he's going to get every day at bats at shortstop going forward. So if you can combine sort of the fact that Taylor doesn't have that eligibility yet with the fact that people are sort of nervous about him. We talked about this last week um, where Taylor is a player that just broke out last year. So even his owners are skeptical that he can repeat. So he's an ideal buy low candidate because people are nervous because he doesn't have the track record. 
So I think that he's the perfect buy low target. Um, you know, other names, Astrobal Cabrera's off to a very, very good start. He's hitting at the top of a pretty good lineup. Marcus Semien, again, we've been over him, Joe, many, many times, hitting at the top of a good lineup. That's another option. Angelton Simmons, um, Zach Kozart's off to a bit of a rough start. I think you might be able to get him as well. But, you know, I mean, Andy, if you're in 15-team league like that, I think you're going to have to hit. You're going to have to work the trade market because I don't think there's going to be anything there for you on the waiver wire. Yeah, and see, that's the problem is a player of that ilk. I mean, he wasn't producing to what you drafted him to be, but still you you hold out faith faith for a guy like Corey Seager. You lose him, you're not getting another Corey Seager unless you're taking a gamble on one of these youngsters that may or may not come up in the next day or month or even the rest of the season. And by that, I'm talking about the Willie Adams. I'm talking about the Franklin Barretos. Uh, even mm -hmm. throw in Fernando Tatis, as crazy as that might sound. Uh, but, you know – I'm not stashing a guy like that to just wait, at least not at this point, at least not with any indication on the horizon. So what you were saying about trading, I think that's absolutely the, the way to go and trade from depth or trade from an area of strength. And, you know, if you have a, an ace kind of caliber pitcher, I love pitching. I think pitching is super deep. So if you got like an ace pitcher that, you know, guys are willing to buy high on and you can get a, a quality starter in return, like more than a streamer, and the starting shortstop, well, you, you know, that's that's where you fill the gaps for a guy like Seager as far as I'm concerned. But these leagues are all over the place. I mean, that's a 15-team league. I, I'm in 16-team leagues. I'm in 30-team leagues. I'm in, you know, 12-team leagues. So it's all over. It really is league-dependent. But uh, I, I don't think you can replace – you mentioned as Dribble Cabrera. He is solid in every format possible because not only does he hit better than people want to – believe that he hits. He hits for power. He is for average. He drives and runs and he's eligible at basically every position in the infield. So he's giving you a lot of versatility and depth there as well. So I really love Azdrubal Cabrera. Uh, other guys that people have kind of so you know got rid of, Cattell Marte. I hate to bring that name up, but that's like the one guy that people just cut bait on that if you're looking for somebody that you might be able to grab that, hey, Listen, we were all high, high on him coming into the season. If anybody's going to turn it around, I mean, you're sticking it out with Seager because of his draft capital. Why not see if a guy like Marte is available? Or maybe you can buy him on the cheap, you know, in a trade. And then uh, one last name you mentioned that was the obvious ad in hindsight. Daniel Robertson was sitting on the waiver wire in TGFBI. And I let him go because I just didn't have the roster space. I have Luis Gohara coming back off uh, – uh, you know, off the DL. I have Soroka that I stashed for a, a dollar bid two weeks ago, uh, who's up now. So I have to cut bait with players as it is. And I just didn't have the room to add another positional player. I have one positional player on my bench, and that's Brad Zimmer. So I let Robertson go. And now if I can go back 48 hours, I absolutely would have, uh, you know, probably put in a $100 bid on Daniel Robertson at this point just to secure that last versatile, solid bat. And the only reason I say solid is because – and sorry for, for talking so long, fam, but – No, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> the only reason I say solid with Robertson is this guy, people forget, was a top-rated shortstop prospect coming up with Oakland, uh, so much so that he was, you know – on the same level in in some regards with Addison Russell when they drafted him and Russell was still in that system. So Robertson got moved around just because of his, his, I guess, his value, if you will. And this is his first real opportunity to do something. And he has a solid bat. This isn't a, a come out of nowhere kind of guy. So if you're wondering, 
hey, Robinson's sitting out there. Should I add him? Yeah, you should add him. Ride it while it's hot, and it, it might be the real deal. So it, it's not a flash in the pan uh, at this point for me for Robinson. Maybe not the, to the average he's putting up, but certainly uh, serviceable and more than competent. See, and I, I think you spoke to your strengths, right? You mentioned that you have Soroka and Gohara. Um, with Soroka just coming up and Gohara stashed, right? So that makes sense that you're probably pretty deep in pitching. So you can probably afford to move some of that pitching uh, pitching capital for, for shortstop. Yeah, my mindset entering was to go over or go after, I should say, high average hitters and low ERA and low whip pitchers and then let the other categories kind of come to fruition with K's and wins and saves, which are somewhat unpredictable uh, as far as saves and wins go, I should say. Uh, home runs, stolen bases, other categories. Like I have Goldschmidt, who I took the gamble on. He was my first pick. I forgot what I picked. I think it was like four. Yeah, he was my all. first pick too. And I, I wasn't buying into the whole humidor thing. You know, I'm not an AJ Pollock fan, but I think he's kind of disproven that to this point in the season. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for Goldie to get going. But, uh, you know, I've, I have, I think I'm leading the, the league in batting average. Uh, I'm definitely leading it, and by far in ERA and WHIP. So that's what's been keeping me in the mix. Uh, I mean, Arik Floramonte is starting to, you know, create a lot of separation between uh, me and him. I'm actually down to third in my own league, so I don't even want to know what I am uh, overall throughout the whole thing. But my my bragging has taken a considerable, uh, <laughs> you know halt in the last week but. <laughs> yeah well i think you've still been in front of me pretty much from day one but i've been floating around that 40 area uh for the last two weeks so i'm hoping to take a rise up but let's move it to uh robbie ray with an oblique injury uh dl um he was he was put on dl today any insight on potential replacements and can you give me one below 50 percent ownership in 12 team leagues and one below 25 percent ownership in that format yeah so with robbie ray i i tweeted out as soon as it happened as a robbie ray owner and i own him in a 16 team 40 man roster dynasty league so just to give you some perspective i tweeted out as a robbie ray owner i am petrified of what just happened and i was getting immediate responses like oh relax take it easy way too soon and i think the thing people don't realize is i mean no injury is really great but obliques and baseball players, especially in season, are not a great combination. And sure enough, now you see hit the DL. It's looking like anywhere from four to six, maybe even eight weeks that you know he's expected to be out. To me, this is the kind of injury, and this is a dynasty league, and with Ray's age, I'm not looking to move him. But if this is a redraft league and somebody's going to give you anywhere between 50 and 75 cents on the dollar for Ray – I would be looking to move him, even if you think like, oh, he'll come back in two months and he'll be great. Yeah, well, everybody said that about Madison Bumgarner last year. I know different injuries, but no, it's it doesn't work that way. And especially an oblique injury, that's the kind of thing that can linger. And sure, yeah, I, I had the last you know four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks off. I feel great. I'm ready to go. And all it takes is one little thing, and he's right back in the same boat. So I'm not trusting Robbie Ray at all in redraft, and it's you know kind of disheartening because that was a guy – I myself and I know a bunch of other people were high on and saw this, the Robbie Ray rising, if you will. I thought it was crazy to say, but the Diamondbacks had 
four, maybe five potential top 40 starters in their rotation. And now you see two of them are gone for extended periods of time with Taiwan Walker as well. So um, it, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and how they could piece it together. The most interesting thing for me with the D-backs is who's going to be the Ray replacement. And it's looking like Chris, Chris Medlin only because of experience, I would say. But I think uh, uh, Tyler Scribner, Evan Scribner's brother, who they picked up off of, they claimed from the Angels back in early April, he's looked the best of the four names you hear mentioned at AAA Reno. Uh, his last outing was probably his best of the year as well. Uh, every other of the four names you hear about, Braden Shipley, Scrib uh, Scribner, Medlin, and uh, uh, I'm forgetting the other one right now. Um, McFarland, I think, is the other one. Yeah, no, no, not McFarland. Uh, I want to say Taylor, uh, but I, I, I mean it's escaping me right now. I'll look it up in a minute. Um, they're all pitching horribly. Like if you just look at the numbers, six ERAs, you know, seven to eight K per nine rates. Uh, of those, though, Scribner's had the best outings, and he's trending in the right direction. He also lines up perfectly to take the Thursday start, which is when Ray was scheduled to start again. So I know Medlin was scratched from his start last night, and the speculation it's him. I do think it will be him, but I don't really trust it, and I think it could be like a one-deal audition, and if he bombs, I wouldn't hesitate to think uh, Scribner is going to be the next guy up. When's the last time you heard Chris Medlin's name mentioned? It's been a while. Uh, I feel like we get a mention of it every year because yeah, how how well he performed. He's kind of like, kind of like in a weird way. He's kind of like Matt Harvey. Like he had like this dynamic year, and then everybody just kind of yeah. remembers like, oh well, he could, he could, yeah, he, he could. could. <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. It's definitely the truth when it comes to Chris Medlin. All right, Joe, what do you think? Is there is there anybody? Folks should target to uh, replace Robbie Ray. Yeah, so in like 12 teamers, it's uh, Chris Stratton. And the obvious choice is Pivita, who still is under 50% owned, which is ridiculous that he's under 50% owned. I mean, he's got to be owned in pretty much every week. Yeah, agree with that. He's definitely on my list. I think Skaggs is another name, 41%. Nick Kingham, 39%. And... Mm -hmm. You, and I don't mean to interrupt, but you guys are just speaking to what I said before about how deep pitching is, and you, yeah. you can you can just pick people up. I mean, if you see guys like Pavetta available, if you see guys like Kingham available, these are rosterable guys to me. These are more than streamers, and it just shows you, like, if if you have – you don't have to worry about pitching, put it like that. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, as long as he's healthy, he's always put up pretty good numbers while healthy. It's just his problem has been health, so – you're getting some health out of him with a veteran-laden team that you know has World Series aspirations in LA in Anaheim, where whatever you want to call it today. Uh, <laughs> take Skaggs as well. I mean, these are, these are all great arms to add if you're desperate for pitching. Yeah, and I mean Skaggs is in a plus ballpark with a plus defense behind him too. So I mean, he's getting the help that he probably hasn't gotten before in terms of their defense. Um, and then some other deeper names. I mean, you even go deeper. Chris Stratton, 25%. And that's probably headed down because he had such a bad start this weekend. Yeah. Trevor Cahill, 10%. He's looked great. He's looked really good. He's looked like he looked last year on the Padres. And Mike Miner at 10%, Nick's boy, um, has continued to do what, what Nick had outlined, which is, you know, he's striking out about a, a, a guy per inning. He is not walking the world. And he's keeping the ball in the yard 
So, I mean, he's, he's a viable candidate too, and at, all the way down at 10%. So to Andy's point, you can, you can scrape the bottom here and still find useful pitching. Yeah. And, and just going back to Skaggs real quick. I mean, in some ways you could say he's kind of like a Robbie Ray, uh lefty West coast guy, high upside with, uh, with K potential, but some other veteran names just kind of lingering out there. Yvonne Nova never seems to get the respect that he deserves in my opinion, at least. And maybe that's, you know, partial to being a Yankee fan. I don't know, but Andrew Kashner with Baltimore, has Bartolo, you know, been serviceable. I know the wins aren't there, but you know, he's giving you innings, he's giving you close to a K per nine. Um, ERA is never going to be great, but you know, I mean, like I said, these, these, these are guys I'm more than comfortable trotting out to get starts in my league, and I it wouldn't because of this depth, it wouldn't preclude me from keep uh, from offering, I should say, a, a better known arm to get a serviceable everyday bat. Yeah, and speaking of serviceable everyday uh, bats, Yasiel Puig has been put on the 10-day DL with hip and foot injuries. He took a nasty-looking slide into the outfield wall and got banged up pretty bad. Uh, no time frame as of right now. Alex Vertigo was called up. What do you make of Vertigo? And is he 12-team relevant or just 15 teams and deeper? Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> um, he's a good player. He's young. He's still just 21. He's going to be good, but I don't know that he's ready yet. Yeah, and I agree. So he's not somebody I'm I'm looking to run out and race out and grab. Uh, I think he'll be up and down, you know, throughout the season as they need. They still got Jock Peterson around. Uh, I mean, they have outfield depth when you consider Chris Taylor. You can move him all over the place. So, uh, I, I mean, Verdugo is going to be nice, and he's a dynasty Add and hold for sure. If he's available, he probably he shouldn't be available in Dynasty. Yeah, of course not. But uh, I, I just think with some people, you know, give him a little, give him a chance, and he's he fits into that mold and that category for me. Give him a chance. Don't expect too much of him right now. Uh, don't pin your hopes to him. And um, you know, if he if he's hot and he stays at four hundred hitter, you know, which he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> if he's yeah. Ted Williams, yeah. <laughs> Right. Who, who am I? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Andy, I, I echo your sentiments. I mean, to me, like, Vertigo's – the current version of Vertigo looks like – Dude, like it's Verdugo. Verdugo, whatever. Vertigo. <laughs> I've got Vertigo. Um, he's – I think he looks like a 270-ish hitter with, like, low double-digit homers, low, low double-digit speed. Um you know, a 270-12-10 type right now. Now, of course, you know, in today's major league environment, uh, you know, guys that look like 12 homer hitters turned into 25 homer hitters or 30 homer hitters. So, I mean, there is a there is a chance that this guy's game translates at a level we don't expect. Um, but I think he's strictly a deep league pe- play. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, you know, that line reminds me of, of a certain player and – the, the tools remind me of a certain player, and that's uh, Christian Yelich a little bit um, for fantasy purposes, right? Lefty, good hit tool, so-so speed, so-so pop. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think he's ready, and I agree with you guys. I think 15 teams, you got to take a chance, but 12 teams, you can, 12 teamers, you can probably wait. The, the one thing with uh, Verdugo is he's he's got a good glove, and that could keep him in the yeah. lineup 
longer, you know, kind of the Albert Amora kind of thing where his glove is so good that, hey, they, they might say, even if he's not hitting, keep him in there. And then just by having just the sheer amount of at-bats, you see him get out of, you know, any funk he might get himself into or whatever the case is. So I, I, I'm i not shying from Verdugo. I do think his upside is probably more in the 2010 range uh, with probably more like a 285-ish average. But uh, like I said, I, I'm not putting all my uh, my eggs in his basket for this year. Okay, let's move to another injured outfielder, Will Myers, with an oblique injury on the 10-day DL. Joe, I'm never going to forgive you for making me take this guy in Battle of the Podcast League. Never. Is the only way to get value out of Myers to staple him the first base, which the Padres can't do? What are you doing with him? So, at the very least, his two DL stints have seemingly been unrelated, so that's good news. (laughs) Um, right? Yeah, his whole first, body is hurt. In, in the first, it was the nerve in his arm, and, and and this one is the oblique. But I'm actually okay with trying to sell him on cents on the dollar as long as you have a backup plan at first base. Um, I was never really a big fan of Myers coming in. We just needed a first baseman, and, and first base was getting thin, so I have to defend myself. Nick was much higher on Myers than I was. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm totally okay with, with trying to to sell here as um you know we andy you mentioned before about obliques being a killer and myers has a, a huge history of being injured so i am definitely panicked if i'm a myers owner i think you got to pick your poison when a guy like will myers i mean the dual position eligibility is nice the 30 homer 30 steel kind of potential is nice but he's going to kill your average he's you know 250 hitter i mean it's it's he's a tough player because you got to figure out a, a, another way to pair him with somebody else to bring those averages back up and you know like I, I I'll take the home run stolen base potential but it hasn't been there so far this season and well he's played he, in like four games yeah <laughs> I, I mean he's he's been to the plate forty times it's, it's you know it's not a lot but yeah. still uh you know he's he's in a hole so to speak, to to get himself out of at this point. Now you got the injury on top of it. It's not looking good. You're probably not going to get much for him. But, I mean, this is one of the kind of guys that he's scary to begin with because as much potential and upside as there might be, as much as you want to root for this guy, he's also the kind of guy you kind of, you know, hold your breath and cringe and, you know, don't want to look because <laughs> you're afraid of what might be happening. He's the type of player, like you got to be willing to be quick to cut bait on before it gets too ugly. And I think that's kind of the position I feel like I'd be in with him right now. He's the kind of guy, if I let him go and he turns it around, Oh, well, he got me good yeah. for you. Good for you. Will Myers. But I, I don't want to be left, you know, sitting there waiting for that to happen. Yeah. I agree with you guys. I mean, it's going to be tough to get, you know, even a decent discount return from trading him. But I think you have to put him out there. He's in the same breath as as you guys said that, you know, you kind of cringe with him. He also offers that big-time homer and steal upside, and there is always a market for that, even when guys are hurt. Um, so, I mean, I think you put him out there, and I think you see what you can get. Uh, you know, if you want to hold him and hope he comes back and has a hot week, I'm okay with that too. Um, you know, because maybe he restores some of his value at that point. But 
he's he's a really tough guy to own. He goes through hot streaks and cold streaks, and when he's cold, he's ice cold. Um, I think some guys that you can have to fill in for him, Franchi Cordero comes to mind, his teammate, and Teoscar Hernandez. I, I think they offer the same sort of skill set. Um, they're available in 12-team mixers, pretty widely available. And, you know, Franchi's been very, very good from a power and speed perspective. And Teoscar has actually gotten his his, uh, his strikeout rate down. Uh, we're going to talk more about those guys later. Is there anybody else that jumps out to you guys that maybe um, Myers' owners should target to replace him? Okay. Uh, off the dome? Yeah, off the dome. No one jumps out. What do you think about Teoscar and Franchi? You think those are good? Yeah, they 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 represent similar sort of, sorts of skills, like you said. Like from here on out, maybe twenty twenty five home runs, ten fifteen steals. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 looking for guys for you that are in that you know weird ownership range, and I'm on fan tracks right now. I mean, I see a guy like Malik Smith who's at fifty nine percent on fan tracks, which I just find very hard to believe. I, I couldn't imagine he'd be available. If he is, I mean, I'd be happy with taking that because the steals are going to be up there. The average is going to be up there. That's kind of that, that guy was saying you'd need a guy like to pair with a Will Myers to get your average back up. Malik Smith is a is a high average guy for me. Uh, even Howie Kendrick, who uh, giving you multiple eligible like positions. More more power than you'd expect, but still, you know, getting that average up. A Verdugo, who we were just talking about a moment ago, you want to hold on to him while Myers is on the DL, and hopefully he can piece it together for you if you can't find a good deal for Myers, something like that maybe. Um, Batista is said to be guaranteed at bats in Atlanta when he's ready to go. So. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I like it. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, do, do you like it any less than – Will Myers' current position. So. Yeah, but Batista could be really good. No way. No way. <laughs> I, 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 listen, this is not for, the, not for the faint of heart. And I'm not saying this is something I would do. I'm just saying it's a potential option out there. All right, let's move it to Kenyon Milton, who was placed on the DL with elbow soreness. Who do you think is the next guy up? I don't know how it's not Bedrosian. He's still just 26. You know, he's a son of a former big leaguer that we all know. Uh, he's got the stuff. His problem has been staying healthy. Now he's healthy. He's not looked bad. He's not looked great, but he's not looked bad. And you're hearing Justin Anderson is in the mix. Now I know that came out from uh, a, one of the beat writers, and, uh, you know, that's giving it some life. But all it takes is one guy to put it out there, and – it's going to keep some people off of Bedrosian. I just added him actually to replace Robbie Ray because I had a pitching spot open in that dynasty league I was talking about. Um, thing that sucks in that league is there's only two pitcher ads per week. So I, I went big and I took Bedrosian as my second pitcher already added this week. And if it turns out to be Justin Anderson, I'm screwed because somebody else is going to pick him up and I'm not going to get a chance at it. But I, I think it's Bedrosian. I think it's his job to lose. I think it should be his job to lose. And I don't know that Middleton wins it back if Bajorjan does what he's capable of doing because he's he's a much more high upside power number guy than Middleton is. Middleton's been getting it done, but I don't think Middleton was at ever in the Angels' plans to be the closer. No, he was like the fourth guy. Right. You know, at when, the beginning of the season. When does Jim Johnson get the love? I know. It's like shocking he's that he hasn't great. gotten a shot yet. 
Yeah, Jim. Uh, he's been great though, right? Like that's the thing. I, I I get it, right? I totally get that sentiment. Like, oh, Jim Johnson. Like, who feels good about Jim Johnson? But he's been excellent. He's probably been the best reliever in the pen, but that also can hurt him. Yeah, Jim Johnson's only had like one bad stretch in his career. He just never seems to get the love. He's been a pretty decent, reliable closer <laughs> you know, for different, different stretches of his career. Oh, God, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with Andy on this one. I think Pedrosian's the guy, and, you know, if you have the roster space, um, maybe you throw a, a low bid on Anderson as well in an attempt to lock it up. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem um, like Jim Johnson is, is going to get his shot here. Pedrosian was the guy that got the save when Mendelssohn sat the other night. So that's what I'm basing that on. But you know, you never know in these situations, one hundred percent. I think, I, and it's a sociopath, right? Yeah. Sociopath. yeah. <laughs> so who knows? That's a good one. Yeah, never true. heard that. That's uh, I've heard. I don't know who to credit with that, but I've heard that uh, in the past. So, the uh, yeah, Mike sociopath. But, uh. <laughs> All right, another closing situation. The Cardinals uh, are reportedly taking a step back from Greg Holland. Obviously. It's like. Looks like Norris is the guy there. I don't think there's much to add there. Um, we've had some call-ups. The Twins called up Fernando Romero. Um, he's a, one of the top organizational prospects. I believe he was number two. Um, any thoughts on what he brings to the table? Yeah, he's upside. Uh, not, he's looked good. He's still a young guy. He's got – an opportunity in, in, in front of him. Um, yeah, I mean he's got he's got a 99 mile an hour heater, a good slider. Um, the change is going to need some work over time, but he's got the makings of a of a good fantasy asset. I mean that's what we like, right? Tons of heat and a good slider. Um, sure, he's going to have his rough outings with only two real good pitches right now, um, and the control can waver from time to time, so he might get frustrating. But um, yeah, I mean he's got he's got. He's got the, the big fastball, which we like. Yeah, yeah, and he's still learning how to pitch at this juncture. You know, he, he's got better stuff than what the numbers would indicate. The numbers aren't bad. The ERA has been great. Uh, the walks have been acceptable. But, you know, with, with that kind of arsenal, you'd think you'd see more than, uh, you know, you'd think you'd see, especially at the lower levels, a K per nine greater than nine. And it's been hovering around now, just a little under. So uh, I, I don't know that the – Power is going to match what you might think of him when you see kind of what he throws. Uh, but that's all, like I said, he's still young. He's still learning. So that's the, the potential is there for it. And even if it's not to be at the major league level, an 8K per nine guy with, you know, low ERA, you know, a, a ground ball rate above 50%, that still kind of fits into the mold of pitchers I'm looking for. So I, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, when I when I took a look at him in detail earlier today, I mean, I, I sort of saw a lot of um, Reynaldo Lopez in him. Um, you know, quality fastball in terms of velocity, good slider, um, command needs some work, control needs some work, but the pieces are there for him to um, be a productive pitcher. And as Joe said, I think he, I think at times at this point in his career, he will certainly be frustrating with the walks. 
um, and losing the zone, but he definitely has talent. Uh, another pitcher that was called up, Mike Soroka, um, had a had a very very good start tonight. What do you make of him? As he appears to have taken a step at AAA and in the majors as of tonight, um, do you prefer him, Nick Kingham, who was excellent this weekend, or Romero, who we just talked about as a pickup? Uh, it, I think Kingham and Soroka are, are very neck and neck. I think Kingham offers a little bit more of an upside uh, from a fantasy aspect. I think Soroka might be the better pitcher just in a real world, you know, kind of way. I think he, he it, I want to say he's more like a Greg Maddox type, but Greg Maddox was, was damn good. I actually uh, have like Braves pitchers of the 90s written in my notes. Okay. So yeah, that's exactly that's a great comp, I think. Actually, I mean, uh, considering Maddox is the best. Yeah, but I mean, Maddox also put up like insane numbers as well. So I don't know that Soroka can be Maddox, but if you if you're looking for a guy who can go deep into games, get you wins, just be a control kind of guy that you feel comfortable like this. You know, if you're on a three game, four game losing streak and it's his turn in the rotation, this is a guy that's going to stop that you know losing streak. Uh, just this this could be just your solid guy in the rotation but he's fantasy's upside is is limited to you know seven maybe eight k per nine guy i know he's ticked it up a little bit this year triple a but even that has just been to the you know nine level so it's not anything like outrageous it's good but it's not like it's nowhere near like josh Hader, for instance you know for another young arm kind of you know if you if if you get my drift with that not that anybody's josh Hader at this point but uh Soroka is a great ad and a great option, but if they're both definitely ahead of Romero for me, uh, we were we had Craig Mish on the baseball show last week, and Ralph and I were asking uh, Craig between Soroka, Bueller, and Jack Flaherty, who would you want? I believe I want to say his order was Bueller, Soroka, Flaherty. I could have the first two mixed. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. I guess I, I did listen to that episode. Yeah, uh, I think okay. that's correct. And I, I would have to say. You know, now if you're asking between Soroka and Kingham, I think it's like one and one A. And I think for fantasy, I'd rather have Kingham, especially if he's going to remain in the rotation. And there's no guarantee Soroka is. There were yeah. uh, rumors that his stay wasn't going to be long lived unless you know he's absolutely dominant. So, um, you know that that that's a huge factor as well. But I would say Kingham one, Soroka one A for me. Pat. Yeah, I've got Kingham one, um, and it's for the reason that Andy just mentioned. You know, we're talking redrafts. Kingham has the role. Like, as of right now, he is in the rotation officially. Soroka might be, but we don't know that yet. And the injuries to Tehran and Anibal Sanchez, and Anibal Sanchez isn't a huge roadblock for Soroka, but Soroka is just 20, and he only really – took his game to another level as of this year. Um, you saw the K rate tick up um, above nine. Um, the last couple of years, he's been float, floating in the upper sevens. Um, and, and I think that that's a sign that he's beginning to dominate, but it's not a large sample. So they can easily send him back down, um, let Sanchez eat some more innings at the major league level, and then bring Soroka back up. Um, Kingham has added a slider. Um, it was a fantastic pitch this weekend. Um, it's apparently the key to his breakout at, at in the minors this year. 
Um, he has been much better than he's been before. And it's important to remember that Kingham was a high-end prospect, got hurt, uh, missed a season. I believe he had Tommy John and just recently got back. And now here he is. Um, and we've seen that before where, you know, top prospect gets hurt, sort of gets underrated because of it, and then excels upon returning. Um, Pittsburgh's a nice place to pitch also. Um, it's a better ballpark than Atlanta. And I think the defenses are probably comparable. Um, so I'll take Kingham in that sense with Romero coming in third, definitely. Um, but, you know, there's a lot to like with Soroka. Great ground ball rate. If the K's are there, plus the ground ball rate, he's going to be very, very solid when he's up. Yeah, yeah, it's a clean sweep. Um, I got him in the same order, too. And just to add on Soroka, right, um, he's got that sinking fastball, uh, the slider. He's also got a changeup and a curveball. So he's got four complete pitches. So, Andy, you touched on it that he's he's probably going to be a really good real-life pitcher and a so-so fantasy pitcher, and I tend to agree with that. Um but I, 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 I like, the, I like the, the complete package that Soroka brings. It, it depends on what kind of league you're in. He's going to be serviceable. Don't get me wrong. I think his ratios would be great. Uh, if you're in a points league, I think you know he'll, he'll be in line with wins, everything like that. So I think he's a fantasy contributor. I just think the name and what he's been billed as is going to put him at a, at a peak level that you might be able to get something of more upside uh, th- there's going to be a, a high point, I think, for Soroka, and that's coming up soon. If he has a great debut and you could flip him for you, you know, more of a power arm like a Flaherty or a Bueller or something like that, and you could get like two for one with that or upgrade a two for two package or something like that, I think there's going to be a high point for Soroka based on name value uh, that's going to outweigh what his actual performance will be while very good. Um, just on the fringe of elite pat do you know what the line was today um off the top of my head i believe it was six innings pitched i think he either gave up one or zero runs i think he had five k's one walk yeah again that's off the top of my head that might not be correct but i think that's what it was okay let's move it to fantasy or reality and this is going to be the segment where we go around the diamond and diamond and tell you whether statements that we make about the players are fantasy or reality. And we're going to kick it off at the catcher position with Wilson Contreras. Unexpectedly, the team around him has been holding him back somewhat. Contreras is an ideal by low candidate and will out-earn hot starters Yasmani Grandal and Yadier Molina. Joe? Andy, it's you. Oh, me? Oh. I'll go to you. Well, right. can, can I just go back real quick before we sure. uh, completely move on from him? So Soroka's line, you're right, six innings, six hits, one earned run, no walks, five Ks, gave up a homer, got the win against the Mets, exactly what I would expect from him. Uh, low low ERA, low whip, mid-level Ks, and will be in line for wins. So right on the money in, the, in his debut. Um, anyway, yeah, that wraps up Soroka. All right, yeah, so I'll, I'll take Contreras. Um, yeah, so I think he is a great buy-low candidate. Um, he's on the top 20 or so list of uh, homer-to-fly ball rates minus expected homer-to-fly ball rates. So essentially, um, or the other way around, excuse me, expected homer-to-fly ball rate minus actual homer-to-fly ball rate. So he's expected to to uh, 
to be hitting more home runs, and that's outlined by uh, Podhorzer over at Fangraphs. Um, so even without the expected power surge that we can expect at some point, um, he's still batting 270, so it's not like he's killing you, and it's at the catcher position, so that's a plus. Um, I don't know. I, I Grandal's pretty pretty damn good. I think he can out uh, out earn Molina, but if Grandal's getting every day at bats, which at this point it looks like he's going to, I think it might be a little tough. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know who's trading him. Uh, he was drafted as, you know, top three catcher. And there's probably a list of maybe five that I would actually want in fantasy at the catching position, because outside of that, there's not really any guarantees. Uh, so I don't know who's trading him. The numbers aren't bad. They're not what you'd expect, but he's the kind of guy you just, you put him in your lineup at catcher and you don't think twice about it unless he's on the DL. Like, you don't care what he does at the plate because you're not even considering swapping him with somebody else because chances are you're not ca- carrying two catchers and chances are you're not dropping him for somebody that's hot or, you know, and, and streaming him. So to me, Contreras is is a, is a nice fallback – or I shouldn't say fallback. is a nice luxury to have in fantasy where you just put him in your lineup, don't even worry about it. Grandal at 29, he's never played more than 129 games. He's getting every day at bats right now, but I don't know that he can maintain it. I don't think at 29, all of a sudden, we're going to see, especially at the catcher position, somebody all of a sudden get 150 at the you know uh, or in that range. There's no uh, DH in the NL, so at at some point there's going to be some stretches where he does cool off and he's not going to be getting the everyday at bats that we're currently seeing. So I, uh, I, Grant, I'll be a sell high to me. Not that he's a bad player. Just again, he's batting 315. He's always been more like, uh, oh, wow. I didn't a, even realize it was that high. Yeah. You know, a 240, you know, ish hitter, 250 ish. If you want to even be on the high point of that. So despite the home runs from the catcher position, uh, I, I don't trust the games played and I don't trust the average to stay where it is. So I'd be selling high on Grand if I could. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Andy. And and that's the that's really the thing with Grandal is is that he has these stretches where he is insanely hot and looks like the best catcher in baseball. Um, and then it falls apart for one reason or another. He loses his timing at the plate. He suffers an injury, attempts to play through it. He suffers an injury. He comes back too soon. He never gets right. We've seen the movie before with Grandal. Um, but as far as Contreras goes, I mean – I he's a wonderful by low opportunity. If you can find somebody that's selling, um, you know, he is not a player that's struggling in and of himself. It's strictly about the team that's around him right now. Um, he has all the talent, he's got the power and he's adding fly balls. So you can expect that the power will play up, um, the back control to keep the average up and high. Um, he's essentially a poor man's Gary Sanchez. So, I mean, if you can find somebody that's willing to sell him um, and you want to shore up your catching position, uh, this is a wonderful this is a wonderful opportunity, in my opinion, because, I mean, he's not even struggling. It's just about what's going on around him, which, um, given the level of talent that the Cubs have, I don't expect that to continue. Well, let me let me give you this too. I, I saw earlier today a trade go down straight up Didi Gregorius for Anthony Rizzo. And I know a lot of people think Didi's just off to a start. He can't keep up this pace. I'm starting the MVD 
uh, hashtag. I believe it's real. I think this is a player I've always liked. I think he's found his rhythm. Uh, I do think that's buying a little low on Rizzo, but I, I, I do think uh, Didi is kind of – I don't think it was a bad trade. If you traded Contreras for Grandal right now, I would think it was a bad trade if you were the guy giving up Contreras. So I, I, I would say – I would phrase the two catchers in that regard. Let me let me give you some other uh, some other trades. So, would you trade uh, Lorenzo Cain for Contreras? No, no. All right. What about? Oh wait, wait, wait. I would I would want to be on the Contreras side. I should say. Okay, so Pat, you no, would I want to be on the Kane side. Okay, um, I'd probably want to be on the Contreras side. All right. What about Gaddis and Meta for Contreras and Fernando Rodney? Gaddis and Meta for. I think I want Contreras to side, even though I hate yeah, Fernando Rodney. He's the best player in the and in, in yes, the, he's so. the best player in the deal. I got Contreras too. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I would have to go there. All right, one more. Uh, Gaddis and McCullers for Contreras and Odorizzi. Oh, I think I want Gaddis and McCullers. I think that's enough. I, something's gonna happen with McCullers. I know, but he's so good. Really. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's ar- arguably the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Like, Andy, not- I am you will you will come to find this about me. I am the riverboat gambler when it comes to injuries. I do not care. Oh, then, then <laughs> take the McCullough side because, like I said, he he argue you could you could argue he is the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Yeah, exactly. I'm all about that upside, and we'll live with the fact that he's only going to give me 130 innings. Because they will be 130 spectacular innings. Agreed. All right. So let's move to Reese Hoskins. Um, we got some deserved shade from Walter McMichael from Real Fake Baseball for our take on their pick in Battle of the Podcast League. Hoskins continues to carry his hot start through the rest of the season and finishes as a top 25 fantasy asset. Is this fantasy or reality? Andy, I'm sorry you're here with us today because we are idiots. <laughs> we, uh, we actually bashed these guys for taking him. I don't remember. It was like round four. We were like, it wasn't oh, round four. Little... It was like round three, but it was it's like... like a little too early. Yeah. It's that. And the other thing, man, we're dumb. Dude, he's walking like an absolute animal. The ISO is going to come back down to earth from, from last year, but he's still at a healthy 235. Dude is a stud. We were totally wrong. Only place he might slip a little bit is is in batting average as, as he's got a 426 bat up right now. So that's not going to stick um, as he might get pretty cold. Um, but the power is going to stick through any sort of slump that we might see once that bat falls down. Um, he's a stud. This is definitely reality. This is reality for sure. Uh, Ralph, my co-host, Ralph Lifshitz, prospect Jesus, uh, swears by this guy. <laughs> I I think he would take. I think he would have taken him in the first round if, you know, he did, if he had to because obviously you didn't have to take him in the first round. But Eric Cross is another guy that loves Hoskins. Had him higher than most rankings I've seen anywhere. So I, you know, I was kind of on the same, you know, uh, plane as you guys thinking. <laughs> this is this is crazy like i i want to believe in hoskins but so so much so soon i was having a hard time getting on that train but to listen to guys that i i know are heavily invested in this 
swear by it. Like this is a plant your flag kind of guy. And if I'm the if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong and I'll go down with the ship. But when I'm right, I should reap all the rewards and glory and benefits of you know sticking with my guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Guys like Eric Cross, guys like Ralph, they were ahead of the curve on Reese Hoskins. They convinced me to believe in Reese Hoskins, and this is definitely definitely reality. Yeah, I mean, I said it on Twitter. You have to take your losses and your bad calls. Um, it's and it's not that we didn't like Hoskins. Yeah. We just thought the price was really high coming off of a smaller sample. Well, his walk rate was always the thing that people pointed to as he has great pitch recognition. Yeah, he's got great plate discipline. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I'm going to go fantasy with this. Ooh. I really like Hoskins, and I view him as like a top 35 type asset, especially now that he's running a little bit. But I think the batting average is destined to come down. I mean, the current BABIP is 400 plus, and in the same way – the poor Babbitt last year wasn't going to keep up. Neither is this. Um, most draft buyers are going to turn a profit even at that level. Um, but I think I would still consider selling for uh, what is what would be roughly a second round asset. Um, you know, and I think I think Walter took him right around pick forty um, in that draft. So, I mean, even if he was to sell for like a top twenty four asset, he would still be turning a pretty significant profit. And as a top 35 overall player, he would be turning a profit as well. All right. So we're going to do two guys at once. We got CJ Crone and Jose Martinez late round steals and a waiver wire wonder out earn the cooling Justin smoke and the below Mendoza line Ian Desmond for the rest of the season. Andy, tell me where you are. Fantasy or reality on Jose Martinez and CJ Cron. Jose Martinez, reality. When we had Jason Collette on two weeks ago, we got into this whole discussion about how he is the Nelson Cruz of this year. He is the David Ortiz before the big breakouts. This is the guy you can believe the writing was on the wall when nobody else was seeing it. Certain guys were, Jason Collette being one of them. Uh, I believe guys like that. And Jose Martinez is backing it up. Uh, I don't know. There's this weird new trend, I guess, with humongous baseball players that are <laughs> six, seven, and greater. But uh, he's backing it up, and he's, you know, I, I think it's for real. And I don't know where he's going. He's the first baseman for the Cardinals today. He will be at the end of the season, and I think there's a lot of RBI between now and then. As for CJ Cron, reality, I mean, uh, fantasy rather. I, uh, I. I just can't buy into it. We know what he is at this point. He's going to give you a couple hot weeks here and there, but nothing. Uh, no longevity for me. No sustainability. I, I like to find my blue bloods, and there's only a handful of them. You know, certain positions don't even have one. Uh, you know, certain positions have multiple guys that I'd feel comfortable putting in that. But like uh, Justin Smoke, for instance. Never was high on smoke. Looked good. You know, people were drafting him high. I was staying away. Gets off to a roaring start. And everybody's like, oh, see, I told you, I told you, I told you. Well, now that he cools off, you know, are you still telling me? Because it's a long season. So CJ Cron, yeah, he's hot right now. But talk to me in a couple months and then tell me if you're still feeling that way. And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you I was wrong. But 
if you're asking my opinion, don't trust it. So I, I echo your sentiments that Jose Martinez is definitely reality and CJ Crone is definitely fantasy. He's got a 40, 40% chase rate, 14.5% whiff rate. I mean, he's striking out all over the place. So this is definitely a hot streak. The one thing I do want to say, though, is is uh, you touched up on smoke being hot and then being cold. And that is smoke MO. That is like Justin Smoke in in a line. He's super hot for a little bit and then super cold for a little bit. And that's even what he was last year. So um, I don't know. I, I, I also wasn't really that high on Smoke. But he, he does look like a different player. And I do think that he can still hit and get close to that 30, 35 home runs again. Um, but it's going to come with really, really, really cold streaks. Yeah, I definitely think you guys are right on smoke in terms of the player that he is. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, that's the player that I think everybody expected him to be, which was like a 260, 250, 30-plus homer bat. Um, it's just going to come in bursts. Um, but as far as Martinez goes, yeah, I, I don't think that we need to say any more. We've touched on him many times on this podcast. That is definitely reality. He is um, hitting the ball very, very hard. He's in a good spot in that lineup. They need that sort of bat in the lineup. He's going to play despite his defense, um, you know, which is even bad at first base, uh, which is my one concern. But he is going to hit when he's in there, and I think he will exceed both Desmond and Smoke. With Kron, I think it's fantasy and reality. I do not think he's going to exceed Smoke, um, but I think he will sort of be a poor man's version of him. Um, and by poor man's, I mean, strictly because of the lineup that's around him. Um, Joe, you outlined the chase rate and the swinging strike rate. And yes, those are concerning, but he's also putting the ball in the air quite a bit. And he's making a lot of hard contact and he's in a very, very favorable hitters division. Um, you know, he gets to play on the road in Baltimore and in Boston and in Yankee stadium, um, and in Toronto. Um, so I think that, and he's not getting pulled and plugged in and out of the lineup like he was in Anaheim. That's important. Um, I so, think that's really important. So he's going to get the volume. Um, yeah. and I, I think he can be a 260, 30 homer type bat. Um, and you know, he's hitting second in that lineup. That lineup's not great, but he's going to see the plate appearances. He's going to get the volume. Um, I, I think that he's right there with smoke and, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I am completely out on Ian Desmond at this point. I mean, it is getting to the point now where he is hitting four ground balls for every fly ball. He uh, is continuing to have problems making contact. I know he's got the four homers and the two or three steals and that looks good. Um, but it doesn't look so great next to a 180 average, which he's got right now. And yeah, that'll come up, but I don't know. I mean, to me, he's the, he's the ideal, um, case where you get him and he has like a hot weekend in cores and you sell him immediately because there are so many red flags on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we both, I guess we both agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with you there. Uh, I'll crown real quick. I, we saw what Morrison did in Tampa Bay last year. You, you know, I, I'm not afraid to say that he could challenge for 30 home runs, but 
uh, it's going to come at a price. It's going to come at the average. I don't know if the RBI will be there. Uh, it's not guaranteed. You know, he's halfway to 16, which is his career high. He's basically halfway to 16. So should he at least match that? Sure. Should he surpass that? Yes. Is it going to be 30? I don't know. Probably somewhere between 20 and 25. Uh, and the pace he's on right now, there's somebody out there that's buying into this telling you, oh, no, he's guaranteed to hit 30 home runs. Look at the pace he's on. I just don't think he's going to maintain the pace. That's been the same thing. He goes to Colorado, and he gets this spike because he's going to play first base, and then he goes to the outfield, and he's got all these different positions he's playing, and he's in Colorado. And it's just at some point you got to be willing to not let the name influence what you think of the player, and I think that's the position Desmond's in now. All right, let's move it to Daniel Murphy. Still without a clear timetable for a return. Um, there has been some speculation that he might go on a rehab assignment. He might not. I believe the reports today were um, that he's not as far along as they would like him to be. Daniel Murphy is a good buy low candidate from a desperate owner. Andy, what do you think? No. No. I agree. Fantasy. I, I, I agree. Uh, because um, owners had to pay up for him, and they knew he was hurt. So um, I don't think there's any buy low opportunity here. See, I think there is, uh, because you're – I don't think anybody thought he was going to be out this long. Dr. Mike did. Dr. Mike? Dr. Mike Tanner. That's my man. That's my new injury expert. He's uh, <laughs> doing stuff for Fantrax, and his piece – about Daniel Murphy before the season started was this injury is much worse if you look at the signs than you know what the team wants you to believe. But if you just look at the timetable, this is going to be a long-term injury. And so far, he's a hundred percent on the money with that. So even at even if the even if the Murphy owner was getting frustrated and said, "I have five guys and only three DL spots, and I got to make room and." He's not even rehabbing yet, so sure, I'll, I'll, let me do something to get rid of him. I don't know that you should be chasing him. So, you know, unless he's free, which he's not going to be because nobody's just cutting bait and he's not lingering on the waiver wire, then you're going to have to give up something to get him. And when he comes back, is he going to be the same guy? Who even knows? Because how long is it going to take him to get back into game shape? I mean, if you're the Nationals – you're not worried about a fantasy team. You're worried about, we have plans to get to the playoffs. I want this guy's bat in the playoffs. So if we keep him out until July, August, and then we give him two months to kind of acclimate himself so he's ready for October, that's their mindset. For you as a fantasy owner, that means absolutely nothing to you. And it just means this is a overpriced and overvalued guy. I, I'd just like to mention, too, he uh, cut his workout short today after running to first base and pulling up short uh, because his knee hurt. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I had it as fantasy as well. I just disagreed. I, I just think that you could buy him low if you wanted to. No, um, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Agree to disagree. Let's move to Yohan Moncada. Early this, earlier this year uh, – excuse me, it's early this year, but Moncada is Mr. Category Juice. Mankata is going to cash in on all that potential and go 30-20. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I think this is fantasy because 30-20 is ridiculously steep. 
Um, but in the spirit of the question, um, I will say that I do think he's going to beat my projection. I had him projected for like 18 home runs and 20 steals. And I think he's got a good shot of passing those, surpassing those. It's just really hard for me to get behind someone. And I, I know this is the common knock on Mankata, but it's just really hard to get 250 home runs and stolen bases when 40% of your outs aren't even in play. Um, so if I had to project the final line, I'd say like 22 home runs and 24 steals. Um, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, to steal bases when you're not at first. And it's hard to hit home runs when you don't put the ball in play. I, I think he has to try to figure out what kind of hitter he wants to be first. You, you're talking about uh, need to be on base to steal him. Exactly. The f- nearly 40% K rate and the six homers shows me he's trying to live up to that massive upper body strength that, you know, he, he's got in the linebacker look and put him <laughs> over the fence as opposed to running around the bases. So I, I think he's, you know, this all comes to being young and at 22, he's still figuring out what am I best at? Am I a power hitter that, yeah, then the steals aren't going to be there, but Hey, I have all this speed. So do I sacrifice the power uh, to get on base and, and be, you know, that kind of guy? Um, I, I, think that kind of gets undersold a lot with a guy like Christian Yelich, uh, who we mentioned earlier, a guy like Ichiro. Ichiro's batting practice bat practices were legendary for putting balls over the fence. And just when it was in game, he was disciplined enough to say, no, that's not my that's not what I'm here for. I'm I'm at the, I'm the table setter. I'm here to get on base and I'm not swinging it for the fences. Uh, you see with Mankata, who are you? I think he will get the at-bats. I think he's a regular day everyday player for them now uh, 2020 i think is probably more in line um maybe 25 20 uh but 30 20 i think is a little a little too much to expect from him this season and it's just kind of sad because he does have tremendous speed and you would think this guy should be a lock for 30 plus but a guys aren't stealing bases you know at that rate anymore uh and b you know, like Joe was saying, if you're not on base, how do you steal? Yeah, I'm going to make this a sweep. I, I think it's fantasy, but I'm with Andy. I think it's going to be like a 25 homer, low 20 steals type season. So I think he almost gets there. But I think Moncada is a really good sell candidate in redrafts. If you, the juice looks great, the batting average has not cratered yet, and you can definitely find a buyer considering the buzz and the pedigree. You're striking out nearly 40% of the time, as you guys mentioned, but the average is up around 260, and that's being propped up by a 423 BABIP and a 26% homer to fly ball rate. So the hard contact looks great. I mean, he's 50, 54.2% there. The line drive rate, 27 plus percent. Um, that tells me he's he deserves most of what he's gotten as far as the power numbers go and, and even the BABIP. Um, now, Joe, me and you are very much head-to-head players, and we tend to value floor more than rototypes. Um, so full disclosure, I don't own any shares of Moncada. Um, but if you paid up, I think this is the ideal time to bank that production and miss out when the uh, K rate catches up to him. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, I, I wasn't drafted Moncada either uh, in redraft. Just because, you know, everything I was saying is just too young and still figuring it out for me. I would like to feel a little bit more reliability for 
where his draft capital was. Um, so if you did take that plunge and you do have him and you're listening to us and you think, you know, the bottom will fall out at some point based on that lofty BABIP and BABIP, however you want to pronounce it, and the average is going to come down and he's not going to be a 30 steal guy. Well, that's what you drafted him to be. So if you believe what we're saying and he doesn't reach that, then yeah, it would be a good sell high time. Okay, let's move to Joey Gallo. Gallo has made contra- contact strides, and this is your last chance to buy before the weather warms and he goes completely off. And I'm going to take this one first, and I'm going to say reality. And I put myself here because I can't ex- I can't contain my excitement about Joey Gallo. <laughs> In the offseason, pre-draft, we were dreaming on Gallo and his second-half improvements in contact and K-rate plus his minor league track record where he always exhibited marked improvement with exposure. He was always able to make adjustments after he struggled the first time around. Now Gallo is striking up just 29.2% of the time. His swinging strike rate is down and his contact rate are up. You might think me a little bit inconsistent after my Moncada take, but Gallo deserves better than he's gotten at this point. The home of the fly ball rate is down. He deserves better on the Babbitt front. I, I think closer to 270, 275. I also think the market is going to have a premium on Mancata, considering the across-the-board production, and thus far including a decent batting average. But back to Gallo. If Gallo can hit 270 in terms of his Babbitt, then you're talking like a potential 250-50 homer bat with you know right around 10 steals. Uh, he's a total monster. I would buy him. Absolutely, 100% if I could. All right, so I'll, I'll take this next. So, sure, he did he did make contact increases, but he's also chasing more. So I know the net is that the, the K rate is down, but um, it does concern me a little bit that he's chasing more. That means he's not seeing, seeing uh, the ball quite as well. Joe, but, can I just counter you on that? Yeah, sure. I think what's going on with Gallo is he's being a little more aggressive at the dish. Okay. And, yeah, I, I mean, and I think fair. I think he's swinging earlier in counts. So I don't think he's getting as deep into counts. The thing is, though, is that we said that even if he bats two thirty, he's gonna provide so much power that he's worth it. And I think he's right in that area right now that he can comfortably bat two thirty. If he bats two fifty, then he's a monster. Well, let me ask you: Did you draft him to improve on last year, or did you draft him to? maintain last year because right now he's right on pace for last year's numbers basically across the board homer you know uh, run and and rbi the rbi's pace is up a little but stolen bases everything is basically in line average everything like that so if that's where you drafted him to be then he's giving you what you paid for so there's no reason to think it's it, it's fantasy and it's reality uh, <laughs> it, it, to, to answer that question. Um, what I want him depends on what my needs were. He's basically going to be a home run guy, and you hope that the, the runs in the RBI stay there, but I'm not counting on him for steals anymore. I, I don't care if you tell me the recognition has improved and all that kind of stuff. The average is still going to be what it's going to be, and that's going to be sub 230, which is going to drag you down. So um, – I, I'm fine with taking him, but it's really just solely for the power. And he is basically, he is what I thought he would be. 
Yeah, so so the price isn't really even that high. Let me give you you guys some trades and and we'll pick some sides. So, um, the first one is just Gallo for John Lester. Gallo, hundred percent. Gallo. Okay. Uh, what about Brad Hand and well now Sano is on the DL, but Brad Hand and Sano for Gallo. Brad Hand is the one. Well, Brad I, I, Hand and Sano. I think I'm taking Hand and Sano. I'm, I'm absolutely taking hand and Sano, and I was gonna say I, I didn't. I I need to preface it because if you know me, you know I love hand, and I mean Brad. Uh, but I, well, you know, um, yeah, I think he's one of the most underrated closers in all of baseball. So we we uh, yeah, agree. we echo that very much. So yeah. all right, let me give you one more: uh, Gallo and Trinan for Sonny Gray and Roberto Ozuna. Oh, Gallo and Trinan, one hundred percent. That's like that could yeah. be my team. <laughs> Um, I might go Ozuna just because saves are kind of fickle, and I feel somewhat comfortable. You said Roberto Ozuna, right? Yep. Yeah, I I'm on the fence with that one. Yeah, we're we're big fans of Trinan. Well, me and Pat are big fans of Trinan, so I'm I'm with you. I'm going Gala Trinan. Okay, let's move it to Matt Carpenter. The flyball revolution and injuries have ruined Matt Carpenter, and his owners should get out from under him before the value is completely gone. Andy, fantasy or reality? Um, there shouldn't be such a thing as Matt Carpenter owners. So uh, <laughs> there's, there's my answer right there. Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, where do you stand? Uh, I agree. Um, I wonder if he's losing a step. Contact rates plummeted over 10%. Um, I haven't gotten, admittedly, I haven't gotten a chance to watch much of Carp, but I would not be happy owning Carpenter anymore. I mean, this is like too long that he's just been so-so. I just don't know when to quit. Fantasy. <laughs> I've been a big fan of Matt Carpenter for a while now. You're crazy, man. But he was, he was, he was definitely not good last year. He's got shoulder problems and struggling once again out of the gate. Um, that's definitely concerning, I'm, but I'm not going to throw in the towel. Um, the K rate is a respectable 24% right now. He still shows elite discipline, but he's struggling to make contact. That's down 10%, and it's down inside and outside the zone. He's also struggling for the first time with fastballs, but, they are, but these issues are rebounding. In the last two weeks, the contact percentage is back up over 80%. And the swinging strike rate is down to 6%. He's also corrected the fact that he hit so many fly balls last year, which was the reason why the BABIP was down to 270. Um, he's hitting more. He's traded some of those fly balls for line drives. Um, I, I still think he's got something left. Um, and I think it will rear its head before too long. Why is Matt Thompson wearing a Pat Donovan mask? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I I really cannot give up on Matt Carpenter. I still believe. I still Wait, believe. Wait, all right. So Pat, let me ask you because Andy, I know where you stand on these trades. So Carpenter or Grandal? Grandal. Grandal. <laughs> if I absolutely needed the cash or Grandal. All right, and so then the the other trades that were made recently: Carp or Devers, Carp or Granky, and Carpenter and and Edwin. Um, yeah, I'd rather Jeez, have. I'd rather have all those guys in Carpenter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wow, Matt. All those people are Matt Thompson, not me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are those actual trades? Those yeah. are those are actual trades. That's unbelievable. Uh, from 2018. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. People getting hosed. Yeah. All right, let's move to Trey Turner. Currently outside the top 100 overall. Turner keeps running like mad, but does not put it all together and finishes outside the top 50 with almost all of his value coming from his speed. He's currently situated outside the top 100. Is this fantasy or reality? It better be fantasy. It better be for, better for, be. Trey, for, Trey, for Trey Turner's sake. Uh, meaning, not me personally, but I, I think he will not be a beloved Major League Baseball player if he well, doesn't finish in the top 100 because I nicknamed him the philanthropist a couple of years ago as a player that would contribute to every category. And uh, so far, he's only contributing to one, I guess two if you want to count average, three if you want to count runs, but certainly not RBI or home runs. And, I mean, he was, after last year's debacle, still being highly, highly supported as a top five, even as crazy and outlandish to say, you know, top one, even two, three. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This guy better return value on his draft position if he wants to uh, have a fan club that plays fantasy baseball. So, Pat, before before you poo-poo on him, right? Um, Why do you just... always think I'm going to poo-poo on everybody? I'm actually not. All right, all right, all right. So I, I, I'm actually – then I'm with you, right? Because I think there's just too many ways for him – He's, he's too good of a player, and he has too many ways to return value that I think he'll be within the top 50. Um, but with that said, he's 208th in barrels per, per plate appearance, which is bad. That means when he's when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting it not very well. Um, all, all told, though, I think he's too fast, so he'll improve the batting average just based on BAPIP alone. Um, and... You know, he, he doesn't have to provide much in home runs. He only has to get to, like, 13 or so. That's what owners expected. And he's still going to steal the world. So um, I I think he will end up within in the top 50. Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy. I, I've been a skeptic of, of Turner, especially at the market price. But, um, you know, he's, he's showing improved play discipline. He's hitting the ball hard at a pretty good rate, um, despite the – profile that's a little heavy on grounders i think the power is going to come around to a double digit level as joe mentioned that's what you wanted you wanted to be right around 15 i think he'll get there provided he gets the playing time um, and it manages to avoid injury um, with the improved play discipline we are seeing that turner's not going to need like some sort of otherworldly babbit like a 380 like he posted back in 2016 to run at a high clip the K rate is just at 18%, um, and he's also walking at a higher clip. I'm expecting the batting average to rise, the power to rise, and if those two things happen, I think Turner will easily be a top 50 asset. All right, let's move to Didi Gregorius, the guy that Andy couldn't wait to talk about. I thought we were going to have to move this segment up to the uh, news and notes section. Uh, the Didi segment. <laughs> <laughs> Didi is at the very top of the early season player rankings, but savvy owners will shop him starting yesterday. Fantasy or reality? I'll, I'll let you go first with this one, Joe. Um. Uh, yeah. So I think I 
I, I think I think so. I think you gotta shop him. But it depends on the price, right? Because you know, Andy, you and our co-host Nick um are big believers, and I think there's some merit um to the belief, but um Nick was on uh, he was talking with us uh, a couple of days ago, and he had some outlandish projection of something like 30 home runs and 250 runs in our, or 220 runs in RBI. It was ridiculous. And so I think I think the take here is that if there is an owner in your league that is willing to really pay up for Didi, I think you have to shop him. But at the same time, even if he doesn't pace out to the ridiculous pace that he's going at, but if he just becomes the player he was last year. He's still gonna he's still gonna get to something like mid twenties pop, um, and it'll and it'll be healthy and runs in RBI with that Yankee lineup. So um, I think it all just depends on knowing your league and knowing your room and knowing what the value you could potentially have in DD is. I, I think we could do a, a whole episode longer than what we currently are doing uh, just on DD alone. I absolutely loved when the Yankees got him. I have a good friend from Arizona, Bills, who was the only one I could find to agree with me that the Yankees got a steal when they got Sir DD. I should make sure to mention Sir DD Gregorius. Uh, MVP is the phrase of the year for DD, MVD. Is uh, the hashtag, and that's D-I, like the way D-D would be spelled. I don't think this pace is ridiculous at all, and I, I'm not sure the numbers right now uh, for the league, but I can guarantee you there are few, if any, other players that currently have a walk rate greater than their K rate. He's walking at a 15% clip. He's only striking out at 13.2%. The BABIP is right in line with what it was last year. He's at 289 right now. 287 for the season last year. His ISO, of course, is shot up because of the home run pace he's on. Uh, I mean, do I think he's a 327 hitter? Probably a little high. Do I think he's a 287 hitter? Probably a little low. So what's in between that? 300. I do think he's a borderline 300 hitter. I do think he's capable of putting up 25 to 30 home runs again, which is where he was at last year. I mean, of course, that would mean the current pace would dip dramatically, but I, I still think this is a super productive guy. And even if there's lulls in the power, he'll still be producing with RBI. He'll still be producing with runs and he'll still be producing with average. So if the only number that might not keep pace is the home runs and I'm getting that from the shortstop position, I am more than happy with that. So if somebody wants to sell me Didi, I would gladly take him. I just mentioned earlier, he went one for one for Anthony Rizzo, who was a consensus, you know, first, top of the second round pick heading into drafts this season, one of the most consistent players in fantasy in his career. Uh, so that should just tell you the kind of rarefied air DD has ascended himself to. And again, it's hashtag MVD. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on Joe's side with this. I, I think that this is reality. Nick and I, as Joe hinted that got into a heated discussion this weekend about this. I, I've heard it. I've heard it on other pods. I knew Andy was high on DD. And, and how, how could he not be? I mean, but that's really the point. To what extent are you buying it? And is there someone out there in your league that is buying it more? If you own DD, you owe it to yourself to at least explore it. There's no question he's an improved player. And it's not just about the homers or the fly balls. It's also about the discipline, as Andy pointed out. Um, he's always been a high-quality contact guy in terms of the amount of contact, sheer contact that he makes. But now he's learning how to take a walk. He's learning how to wait for his pitch. He's laying off bad pitches. But 
Let's also keep in mind, Didi is a player with a 2017 homer to fly ball rate of 12%. Um, it's 9% for his career. Is he three times as good at hitting homers than he's been for his entire career? Twice as good as last year? Um, these are the questions that I think you need to ask yourself. With the fly balls, the batting average is likely going to fall um, from at least a clear a career level of 288, if not further. So how much is 280 and 15 more homers worth? How much is 280 and 20 more homers worth? 25 more homers. Where do you fall on that spectrum and where do other people? Um, I'm willing to give him 20 more and I'm willing to say 280. And 280, 20 homers in the middle of a Yankees lineup, as such as it is constructed, is an excellent piece and it was undervalued at the draft table. But someone out there is going to pay for 30 rest of season homers and 300 batting average and 10 steals and so on and so forth. So I think you need to at least explore the opportunity to sell him. And Andy, that trade you mentioned, if I was a DD owner, I would be taking Rizzo in a heartbeat. Hey, listen, I, I'm looking at other shortstops because I was going to ask you, give me a shortstop that's going to hit more home runs than DD from here on out. And again, I, I'm telling you, I'm fully acknowledging that this pace is probably unsustainable for him, but he's not just a home run hitter. So even if the home runs drop, I don't think it affects the other numbers that he's putting up. Uh, you look at the position, you got Manny Machado there, you, Paul DeYoung, who I, I love, I, I, Lindor, who hasn't gotten go, going yet, Carlos Correa, you got Tim Anderson, who's a, a power guy, Trevor Story, who, of course, we all know, uh, Bogarts, who I you know, was hoping for a big bounce back year, which we'll see what happens with that. But outside of that, you don't have a ton of power at the shortstop position. So if Didi has climbed into that category that you think of power from the shortstop position, and I do think the average is a legit 300 hitter, which means in that lineup, he's going to be putting up runs and RBIs just by getting on base. Uh, yeah, I, I even if he doesn't hit another home run from today on, I'd still be more than comfortable starting him every day. So that's what I'm weighing when I'm looking at you know, how high am I selling? And obviously I'm a Yankee fan. So <laughs> I think you also have to have fun in fantasy. And if I'm a DD owner, I mean, even if I wasn't a Yankee fan, he's an easy guy to root for. Nah, uh, yeah, you're right. He is, you know, despite all of his heroics in the postseason, despite all of his attention in the early going this year, he remains one of the most selfless, you know, professional athletes you'll find. He's always smiling. He's just like a down-to-earth dude who's just like, hey, I'm I'm having a great time playing baseball. And I think it's hard to see a guy like that getting into a slump because every day is he's just happy to, you know, go to the ballpark. So I I, I know it sounds kind of, you know, maybe too cerebral to factor into stats and fantasy and everything like that, but I am looking at something like that as well with the guy like Didi. Let me let me throw some trades at you guys um, because we mentioned the Didi for for Rizzo. So let, let's talk some more. So Didi and Joaquin Soria for Mookie Betts. Whoa, 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 whoa! Say that again. Didi. Oh, and, and Soria. And Soria for Betts. Uh, Betts. C come on, Andy. <laughs> Do the right thing. I, I want. Who's my other shortstop then? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll, it's bets, bro. I guess I'll take bets. <laughs> I guess I'll take 
Pets, <laughs> you're too much. All right, what about Didi and Kimbrel for Carlos Martinez and Carlos Correa? Well, I, 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 Carlos Martinez and Carlos Correa. Yes, I'm going with Correa. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sick right now. <laughs> All right, I'll give you a lamp. I'll give you a lamp. Well, maybe not a lamp, but so Didi for Arietta and Bellinger. Didi for for Arietta and Bellinger. Yeah. Do I have to take Arietta? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, what about Bellinger straight up? No, I'm only doing that if you're throwing in Arietta. And if I'm doing that, it's because I'm desperate for pitch and I'm hoping that something good comes out of it. Um, Oof, man, I, you you are indeed high on Didi. Yeah, I, I, I respect it, though. So. I respect I'd, it. I'd probably hold Didi in that situation. Uh, man. I understand your point, though. Like the shortstop, it, it does matter. It definitely does matter. It does. I, I well, shortstop always mattered, and then we hit kind of this point where we had a lot of good ones, and I think people overthink it or exaggerate a little too much and think it is deeper than it is. Don't get me wrong; it's deep. It is a deep position, but it's not high end deep, and he's ascended to that high end. So. <laughs> All right, let me let me put that trade into context and let's see if I can get Joe to agree to it. So, okay, you are the team that has Bellinger and Arietta. You just lost Corey Corey Seager. Corey Seager. And you've got another capable player to fill in yeah, at first base. At first base. Yeah, like would yeah. you do it? Yes, yes. Okay. Would you? I think I would too. In that scenario. Yeah, because Arietta stinks. He's a throwing anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of Arietta, but we'll get to him later tonight. Okay, so let's move to Domingo Santana with a clearer path to playing time after Eric after the Eric Thames injury. Domingo Santana starts to turn it up and plays like a top thirty outfielder going forward. Fantasy or reality? Joe, kick this one off. All right, so we had our reservations with the batter profile coming into this year, and he's done very little to instill confidence. He's two hundredth in barrels per plate appearance and just hasn't really hit the ball well this year. Um, he's a tough sell after you likely after someone likely invested in him, and he's still good for some pop and speed, but everything is trending the wrong way. Chase rate, whiff rate, contact rate, it just doesn't look good right now. Well, well we were talking about Mancata. I was talking about a player trying to figure out who he is, what he is. Domingo Santana was a nice prospect coming up, a uh, high upside power kind of yeah, guy, power but guy, yeah. not, nothing really to the extent of what he did last year with the 278 average, the 15 steals. I think the 15 steals are more a product of being in Milwaukee. That's basically everybody has the green light, which was why I was so surprised Eric Thames wasn't stealing more considering what he had done before he came back to the States. Um, the 30 home runs didn't surprise me. The the runs and RBIs, I guess maybe not. The steals, definitely, and the average, definitely. Uh, so for those reasons, I felt like he was being overdrafted this year regardless. So I was staying away from Santana just because I didn't like the price tag because I, I thought it was just you're, you're assuming too much to think that that was a repeatable line for him. And now he's off to a bad start, and yeah – He's going to be pressing. He's going to be chasing. How do I get back to last year? He's got no homers. He hasn't got off the schneid yet to even get the first one over the fence. He's got one steal, which, okay, um, maybe he can get back to double digits. But 
you're talking about a massive power surge between now and the end of the season for him to repeat 30 home runs. And I just don't see it happening. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing for me to say, cause I like the player. I mean, I go back with him to owning him, you know, back five, six years ago when he was that up and coming kind of option. But yeah, it, it's, I'm avoiding even I, I, fantasy to think that he's going to do what you said he might. Yeah, it's oh fantasy. Yeah, it's fantasy for me too. Uh, the playing time appears to be secure, but it's probably not to the level you might think. He's started five of seven games since things went down. Um, I do think Santana is going to play better than he has to start the season with more playing time secure, but I seriously doubt he's a top thirty outfielder from this point going forward. He walks a very fine line. Um, he has swing and miss, and he's highly reliant on very productive contact when he makes the contact. Despite hitting the ball really hard, Santana hits a lot of grounders and not a lot of fly balls. So the issue is very obvious. If his liners don't fall, he's going to hit like 225. If the fly balls don't leave the yard, he's going to hit 20 homers and like 235. And he can run a bit but not enough to make up for that poor of a batting average. Um, so, yeah, I think that's fantasy as well. I think that makes that one a clean, a, a clean sweep. All right, Kyle Schwarber. Despite his struggling teammates, Schwarber has started hot. He keeps it up and finishes as a top 20 outfielder, fantasy or reality. Andy, you want to kick this one off? I think that could be reality. Uh, I don't think Schwarber was ever – a bad player i think he's kind of a mythical creature and uh just you know power sells chicks dig the long ball right so he comes up he was one of the best college hitters in his draft class gets a rapid rise through the minors comes up and is this like just charismatic dominant bull of a kind of player and suffered a bad injury that was very public and had a long road back from that. And people are just assuming, oh, all right, he's healthy again. He's going to be this, you know, 40 homer masher that, you know, hits for a high average. Well, it doesn't necessarily work that way. And he's had a slow recovery. But if he's fully healthy, which he looks to be, then yeah, I think this is the player that we once thought he originally was going to be, which is a, a better than average hitter. Uh, from a batting average standpoint and a true power threat. So I I'm totally fine. The, the biggest downfall for Shorba with me is that the fact that he's not going to steal a lick, the fact that the average is probably going to be 275 as a max, which is basically right where he is now. I, I at one point thought he could be more of a, a 300 hitter, as I mentioned, the college bat and then what he was doing in the minors. But as a pro, he hasn't really been to that same batting average level. Um, point way I'm going with this is as just an outfielder, you're going to get seasons like Domingo Santana put up last year that you're going to be able to find a guy like that. And Schwarber's name is going to always demand probably a bigger return than what he might be worth in comparison to other outfielders at any given point in the season. Schwarber's a guy that if he got less at bats because he didn't face lefties, his value would increase because he just, he can't hit lefties. I mean, 
he's got to get platooned at this point. Um, and I think that's the reason why I think this is fantasy, just because I think it's hard. I think it's going to be hard for him, even if he's playing against lefties, to to not hurt himself um, in batting average and pretty much runs and RBIs in those at-bats. Um, but he could be pretty darn close. And if he's in there just against righties, he's going to mash. And this is like this is like one of the first times ever that uh, best shape of your life in spring training has actually paid off. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, I'm with Joe, though. I think this is fantasy. He's definitely made some improvements. The K rate is down to 24%, and at that level with his power, he can be a 265, 270 hitter. Um, the power is for real. Nobody doubts that. But I do, but there is some concern in the batted ball profile. Um, he's hitting more grounders. The ground ball to fly ball ratio is 1.47. Um, he's got a 14% decline in fly ball percentage. Um, and he's more up the middle than to the pull side. Um, it hasn't shown in the power of production to this point uh, because the homer to fly ball rate is 36%. When I look at Schwerber and what he's done this year, I just don't think there's enough upside for him to pop a top 20 type season. Um, in the best case, he's like a 265, 270, 30-ish homer bat with some volume issues because it's the Cubs and because, as Joe mentioned, he's got some issues against lefties. Uh, I mean, basically, in the best case, he's sort of a souped-up Jay Bruce who usually ends up outside the top 20. Um, so, I mean, and that's that's without even addressing the issues that I outlined in the bat of ball mix. Um, so I, I think it's fantasy as well. Can can I just make sure. a little as, asterisk yeah. to that? I think I said reality, um, forgetting that it was top twenty you listed. If you had said top thirty, I would say reality uh, at top twenty fantasy, just because uh, top twenty I want a little bit more uh, meat on the bone. Yeah, I think, I, and I echo your point. I think if it was top thirty, I might have said reality. Yeah, that's a clean sweep. Okay. All right, Michael Conforto. After an early return from injury, Michael Conforto has struggled. With his owners nervous, now is the time to buy on Conforto. Um, and I will take this one first, and I will say reality. Uh, Conforto, I think, presents a really nice buy-low opportunity. There is a reason for his struggles, injury. Um, people that drafted him might be worried, and that injury discount will be baked into the price to acquire Conforto. Um, in terms of numbers, with the typical small sample size caveats, and in Conforto's case, they're even smaller because he did miss uh, about 10 days of the season, I think Conforto looks fine. Uh, the play discipline looks good. The bat of ball data has the looks of a struggling hitter, but not one that's undergone some sort of major shift in his profile. And, I mean, even to my eyes, Conforto looks good physically. I expect him to bounce back before long, and I'm willing to buy. I'm yeah. on board. Go for I, it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm on board too. I mean, Pat, we uh we own him in our in our uh what is it, 16, 15 team, 16, 16 team, team dynasty. 16 team dynasty league. Um yeah, I, I'm with you, right? He passes the eye test. Um he, he's walking a ton. Um, you know, he, he made those changes last year. Well, not changes, but he made some improvements last year. Um, and I do think that this is a really good buy low opportunity because Conforto's got Conforto's got like this thing around him. I mean, he's a Met, so um, everyone's concerned about when the Mets are going to die next. 
Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I would be going out to get him. And, um, Andy, after you, I got some, I got some trades for you guys. Okay. Uh, well, people think I'm a closet Met fan. Uh, so that's a whole nother story entirely, but I am a big Conforto believer. Uh, again, he was one of the best bats, college bats, I should say, in his draft class. It was another kind of fast riser. I think you have to ask yourself, what am I expecting from Conforto? He hits the 27 homers last year in 109 games, and people are looking at him as a power guy, as a 40-plus you know, homer kind of guy who's going to give you a high average. And I don't think that's ever been Conforto's profile. He's a hitter. He'll go opposite. He's a gap hitter. He's not a power hitter. If he gets you 30 home runs, be happy with it, but don't draft him to hit 30 home runs for you. He is walking. His average is down at 222. I definitely think that's going up. I think he's, uh, I think he's a major league 285 plus hitter. Uh, and we were just starting to see that emerge uh, in this day and age with the balls flying out the way they are. 30 home runs is fine. That's okay. That's the floor and the ceiling. I don't think it's much greater and i don't think it's much lower than that but i'm not drafting conforto to be a power guy i'm drafting him to just be a solid outfielder and, and i think his his profile his draft profile at least was probably too high the only thing that kept it probably where it should be was the injury concerns and if you look at you know where he's hitting the ball he's actually going opposite field 40 percent of the time right now which is greater than he's done at any point in his career and that's where he wins he's goes opposite he drives it to the gaps and he's more of a doubles guy than a homer guy and if you know that about conforto then you'll be happy with him and it's absolutely a great time to buy low if somebody's nervous and thinking hey this isn't what i bought, paid for all right so let me give you some of these trades some of these are really interesting so the first one is conforto and carlos santana for gene carlos stanton hmm. How's, uh, see, a lot of these are going to come down to what the context, rest of my, yeah. My, my lineup is or my roster is because if I'm the team that just lost Corey Seager and I'm looking for tradable assets, I'd probably take the you know the two for one, the, the two for one, and have an extra player to package or move somewhere else and make some other moves. If you're just in a vacuum, uh, I think I'd probably still be on the Conforto side with Santana just because I think the sum will be greater than Stanton by himself. I love Stanton, especially now that he's in New York, but I've never been this huge Stanton like, oh, my God, he's going to hit a home, home run kind of guy. Um, the health is always going to be a concern. I don't care if he's put a healthy season together. It's always going to be a concern just because the nature of his injuries were always so freakish. Like, I think that follows a guy like that. That's not like you have bad health. That's you have bad luck. And that doesn't change in, in life, whether it's a major league player or me being a klutz <laughs> and tripping on the stairs every time I'm going up and down him, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think I would still take the Conforto Santana side over Stan. Yeah, I think I'm taking the Conforto side as well. Um, it's definitely tight, though. And if I've got the excess, it was it was Carlos Martinez, right, Joe? No, Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana. Oh, okay. It, it wasn't so it's, it's, a, it's like buy low for buy low, right? <sighs> this is just the all buy lows. Conforto, Santana, and Santana. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I'm doing that. I, I think I'm taking the Conforto side, definitely, without a caveat. Because yeah. I think Santana is going to break out. Big very soon. Yeah. What about Hanniger for Conforto Street? 
I, I think you got similar players there. I think Hanniger actually offers a little more because I think he'll give you a few steals thrown in. Um, but I think they're kind of the same kind of guy. And Hanniger's a slight edge on the power expectations over Conforto. Uh, so I think Hanniger is, is uh, as much as I like Conforto, I think I would say Hanniger. Yeah, I'm going to go Hanniger too. Um, you know, I, I think that – and I also think that Hanniger's batting average um, upside is a little underrated, um, specifically by the projection systems. Um, I think he's more of a 275 type hitter than he's given credit for. Um, he's strikeout rate is not that high. Um, he's got a pretty good grasp of, of the zone. The plate discipline is pretty good. Um, and he makes the right kinds of contact um, at the right launch angles. So I think he's going to be a plus BABIP guy. He's going to keep a relatively high home run fly ball rate. Um, and that combined with maybe upside for 10 steals is enough to boost him over Conforto for me, definitely. Yeah. Uh, one other thing to that, I, I, as I mentioned, I think they're very similar players with the with the one thing being, I think Hanager offers a little bit more uh, speed, so he'll sprinkle in a couple stolen bases with Conforto and not expecting any. The other major difference is this power outburst, I think is definitely real. Hanager's just now in his age 27 season, which is you know your prime year. That's where you see the big power jump. Conforto's still 25. I think Conforto will get there uh, – to where we can consistently expect those 30 home runs I mentioned earlier, but we're still a couple of years shy of that. And until then, 20 to 30 is the safe safe bet for Conforto. But Hanager's there. Hanager's there now, and you're seeing it. So the 10 thing, the 10 to this point, I think is real. I don't know that he's a whatever. What, what's he on pace for? 62 home runs? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he can match that. But uh, point being is, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, uh, an aberration either. Um, just one more point on Hanniger, even though we were talking about Conforto, there was a wonderful article written today by Jeff Sullivan on Fancrafts about Hanniger. Uh, for those of you that own Hanniger and don't know what to make of him, I highly suggest you check it out. It was a fantastic piece and it basically backs up what we've said. All right, cool. Uh, is there any more trades, Joe, or no? No, no, that's it. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, okay. Jake Arietta, here it comes. Has <laughs> proven the naysayers wrong in the early going and will continue to do so on his way to a top 25 starting pitcher finish. Joe, you are shaking your head. Andy, what do you think, fantasy or reality? I mean, I hear so many people talking about how bad Arietta is. And, you know, we were talking about the trade before. I don't understand why. I mean, he's going to get starts, he's not going to get bumped from that rotation. Uh, or at least he shouldn't. Uh, I, I don't know that it's the friendliest of home ballparks, but still he's got a good team around him, and, and they're starting to show that. Uh, while not being at his best, he's still got three wins, and that just is a testament to the team around him. So he's going to be in position to get you double-digit, you know, 15-plus wins over the course of the season. Uh, the Ks per nine has trickled down. He's just at 6.35, but the walks haven't really jumped up too much. Uh, he's given up less homers than he's given up. You know, you, you're going back to 2014, 2015, vintage Arietta to, to, you know, to the number of home runs he's given up. And again, I, I don't think Philly's the the best uh, or the friendliest home confines. Uh, the ERA is right there. So I don't understand why everybody's saying he's been so bad. I, it, 
I'll buy Arietta Lowe everywhere I can right now, uh, given what we know his upside can be, given what we know the team around him is. And I think he can dial up a little bit higher than where he's at. And I don't think where he's at is that awful. Okay, so this all comes down to pitch mix for me. Um, so I, I I agree with you, right? He hasn't been bad. He definitely has not been bad. But um, he's pretty much dropped the cutter. And it's questionable why he's dropped the cutter because the cutter is what pretty much turned his career around. So now he's become a sinker baller, shown by that the, the ground ball rate at 61%. I mean, it's, it's really good. Yeah, that is really good. But he, it's come at a cost. He... He's got no strikeout left. Um, the homer to fly ball rate, Andy, you mentioned this, right? It's suppressed. It's 4.8%. But I don't think that's real because I don't think that's the player he is anymore. Um, I think th- those those suppressed home run rates of 14 and 15 is when he was throwing that absolutely devastating cutter. And it's just not part of his arsenal anymore. Um, couple of that, right? The strand rate is at 57%. So that's going to come back up too. Um, I'm definitely selling now, and I think now's a great time to sell because his stats aren't so bad. The ERA is only three and a half, and he's put together, he's strung together a couple of good starts. Like, I mean, ex- except for his last one, he just got shelled. But uh, before that, he had strung together a couple of good starts. So I'm definitely selling. Well, you mentioned the cutter, and he's not, he doesn't totally abandon it. He's still throwing it shade on to 10% of the time, but it is down from where it was, you know, like I said, vintage. 2014, 2015, Jake Arrieta, Cy Young, Candacy, where it was around 30%. So it's definitely trickled down, but he hasn't completely abandoned it. And if we're going to talk about the, you know, cold weather and, you know, when the weather warms up, who are the guys that are going to heat up? I don't understand why we can't take the same logic with a pitcher who's throwing the fastball more right now than he has. He's getting familiar with a new team, maybe just feeling and and I don't have any knowledge of this. I haven't seen any quotes. I haven't seen any sound bites or anything like that. But maybe he's just going out there saying, Hey, I can get away with my fastball right now. I don't have to rely on that cutter yet. You know, I'm I'm going through, I'm I'm figuring things out right now. And hey, it's it's it hasn't been bad. So I know I can get it better. Um I that's I mean, maybe that's too optimistic. Maybe that's glass half full. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like I said, I would be happy to take Arietta um as a middle of my fantasy rotation piece. It's yeah, good. I, uh, I, so, sorry, Pat. I, I just like differing opinions are, are good. It's good. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and I don't even think we're that far off because you're talking about a mid rotation guy. Yeah. And I don't think that that's out of bounds at all. Um, when we're talking top 25, I don't think he's going to be there. Um, and, and thus I think it's fantasy, but should he be owned? Yeah. He's yeah, got the ground ball rate. And there are some explanations for why the K's haven't been there. And, and Andy, you offered one possible explanation. Another is, is that a lot of the contact that's being made against him is coming outside the zone, um, which makes me think that it's just sort of a fluky small sample where um, guys are reaching out, um, hitting balls out of the zone and, you know, tapping them for weak round balls and, you know, over the course of another four-start stretch, they'll miss on those pitches entirely. Um, and, and thus the swings and misses will come back. And with it, the Ks will come back. Now, it's not going to get back to, you know, his heyday, you know, the run from 2014, 2015. Um, but he could easily be like an eight, eight and a half K per nine guy 
with an upper level ground ball rate. And that sort of puts him into the, um, you know, that, that class of pitcher, like the next guy we're going to talk about uh, sweet segue, Jamison Tyone. Um, oh, oh, go right ahead, Andy. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. And I know we're, we're getting very long winded, but let me just count this here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 17 pitchers last year won 15 or more games with none winning 20. Ariad is currently on pace for 17 wins. Now, whether or not he can maintain that, I don't know. But the team around him is capable of giving him the run support to make that happen. Uh, that is the difference between should he finish in the top 25 or could he finish in the top 25? Uh, so I definitely think he could finish in the top 25 just based on the wins alone. Uh, the K's don't have to be utterly dominant, but the ERA and the whip you would expect to maintain in the, in the num in the realm that they are now, if he gets you 15 plus wins, he's going to be right on the fringe of a top 25 pitcher. Okay. That's a good, that's actually a good point with the wins. Yeah. Excellent point. Um, another thing I just want to add is, is that, the Phillies have been, in a small sample size, a very poor defensive team. So that's another thing to keep in mind is if the whiffs do not start to come back, he could be adversely affected by the Phillies' defense. And we also need to remember that Arietta is a pitcher that broke out um, partly because of his own performance, but also because when contact was made against him, he had – one of the best defenses in baseball backing him up in the Cubs. He does not have that anymore. Um, so there's a lot of variance there, as you would expect with a pitcher that is aging and also switching locations. So um, Jamison Tyone, an uneven start to the year. He had a baseline quality start last night. Um, Tyone is much closer to the bad version from last year than the good version and finishes outside the top 50 starting pitchers. Joe, fantasy or reality? I guess the question here is at what point um, is Tyone Ricky Nolasco, statistically speaking? Um, he doesn't really have any pitches that generate whiffs. We're now at 160-plus innings of a sub-four uh, XFIP but balloon DRAs, and he's at a career homer to fly ball rate of 13%, but he gets to call Pittsburgh home. Um, so imagine he was somewhere else. I mean, if, if he was in a, a park with a worse park factor, it could be really bad. Um, I think there's some merit that this is reality, that he finishes outside the top 50. Um, he just hasn't looked particularly sharp so far. Top 50 is it's the right range for him. You know, I, I do believe he has top 30 upside. Uh, he's not off to the best start, as you guys were mentioning. But I don't think it's been Awful either. The walk rate is down. It's under three. It's just about two and a half per nine. The uh, the K rate is right where it's been as, uh, you know, all his time in the majors. He's just a tick above eight per nine. So I think he's giving you what you can expect to see. Uh, maybe a couple bad luck plays here or there, it, it, not getting some run support, the two and the three, uh, two and three record. I think it's a little too early to write him off completely. Um, top 50, I think, is uh, – I think he's easily in the top 50 at the end of the season. I, I'm I'm more questioning top 30, top 40. I think 250 uh, – sorry, top 50 is a pretty big net for him to find himself getting caught in. So I, I'm, I'm okay with saying top 50 from here to the end of the year. Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy. I think he's within the top 50 as well. 
Um, his issues arise from homer problems, um, something he's never exhibited before, even last year when he struggled. Um, it wasn't 1.4 homers per nine bad or a 21% homer to fly ball rate bad. Um, to my eyes, he has looked mostly good on the mound, exhibiting mostly good command of his stuff. The grounders have been there, lots of weak contact. He's still in an NL ballpark and a good NL ballpark. Um, the velocity is good. There's nothing to worry about there. There's no signs of injury there. Um, I wish he would throw the curveball more, but it's the Pirates. They love pitchers to throw their fastballs, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I really like Tyone. I've sent feelers out trying to get him personally. Um, if someone is panicking, I would recommend buying him. Um, I think he's a perfectly fine mid-rotation fantasy arm. So let's let's just take a look. Who do you want between the last two guys we've talked about? I suspect we're all going to say Arietta. Yeah. But is that the answer? No, I, I think I think they're very comparable pitchers from a fantasy angle. Is you know, uh, I'd be happy with either. I think Arietta offers slightly more just because of what we talked about with the wins. I think, you know, maybe he goes deeper into games, just in a better position, has better run support. I think Philadelphia is a better team than Pittsburgh. So I would feel more comfortable just not even having to think about finding a replacement for Arietta um, than I would tie on. But I think they're both in the same range. So uh, it's it's kind of an even move for me where I think Tyon gets you some better numbers. Uh, I think Arietta gets – better numbers in the other categories that Tyan can offer. So uh, to me, it'd be an even swap and I would be happy with either and preferably both. Okay. So, I mean, considering the fact Tyone's value is probably perceived as being lower. If somebody came to you with Tyone and a sweetener for Arietta in a vacuum, you would do it. Yeah, I would say sure. In a vacuum, I would. Yeah, do I would agree with that as well, Joe. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I agree because I think I th- I just want to just mention right that go right in. I, Andy, you mentioned that you think that Tyon's like in the area of fifty, and I agree with you, right? I think that's probably the right spot. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm with you that I'd probably take Tyon and and a piece for Arietta. Okay, all right, let's move to our last guy, Dylan Bundy. There's not much to be happy about in Baltimore. But Bundy has been cashing in on his huge, huge potential thus far. and But the owners should be looking to cash out. Andy, is that fantasy or reality? Well, you just saw his last start. He got blown up four and two-thirds, gave up seven earned, only struck out four, walked one. Um, uh, you know, that came against Tampa Bay, who you don't think is this offensive juggernaut. But, hey, who knows? We talked about C.J. Cron before as being a you know, home run Derby champion of 2018. Uh, I've never really loved Bundy. I, I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to get behind any Baltimore pitcher based on their home park, based on how they've developed their pitchers. Uh, you, you know, you can run down the list. They have a terrible track record. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're awful. Track record is terrible. Right. So, you know, going back to Arietta being one, yeah. like Getaway like that we were just talking about, uh, I think. I would get out of Bundy if I could. And, you know, if I'm a savvy owner, if you if you have Bundy and you're trying to deal him to me, who's not a Bundy fan, you're not going to sell me, especially after this last start. Because to me, that's like, yeah, that's what's in his arsenal is starts like his last one. 
Um, I have a, a, I I guess we'd have to say a fan of the baseball show who is a huge Bundy and Baltimore fan and was writing these long books uh, on (laughs) for every Bundy start. And, you know, I, I asked him, I said, are are you going to stick around for all 30? Cause I love it. And maybe we should start a blog over this. And I haven't heard from him for at least three months. (laughs) So um, if Bundy's biggest supporter can't last, you know, six starts into the season, I don't know that Bundy himself does either. I'd be selling high if I could. All right, I'm going to take the other side. Um, So since he's introduced the slider to the mix, again, this is another pitch mix guy. Since he's introduced that slider into the mix, um, he's tapped into that potential. He's been great. Uh, well, he's been good this year, and he's, he was great in that stretch last year. Um, so there's definitely some regression to the mean in his profile, um, but I think he's more of this Bundy than he is past Bundy. And I I, I know he blew up in that, that Tampa game, but I think that's a good reason why to stay pat because now um, owners or or his trade value might've taken a hit. I, I watched the game earlier this year. I can't actually remember who, um, who he pitched against, but he didn't have his best stuff and he loaded the bases in the first inning and he still managed to go five or six innings. Um, so that's a really good sign that when pitchers don't have their best stuff and they can still battle to get you close to a quality start. Um, so I am not selling, I'm actually holding on Bundy. He, he's, uh, the slider has been great for him. As you mentioned, he's been able to show some of the pedigree that got him drafted so high by Baltimore in the first place, the walks he's maintained. He can be a control pitcher. I think the K's are a tick high from where he'll finish. He's just under 11 K per nine right now. The ERA is under three. I don't think he could stay there at least. I mean, as great as he can be just being a Baltimore alone. I don't think he could stay under three That's for an entire season. Uh, and while he's, gotten more ground balls this year he's still too much of a fly ball pitcher for me uh to trust that he can limit the home run damage and uh, you know you're talking about all these hitters that are going to heat up as the you know we just had our first warm day in new york here uh as the weather starts to warm up we talk about the ball's gonna be flying all over the yard and be patient on these hitters well guess what (laughs) it's gonna have the reverse effect on pitchers and i think bundy's kind of in that mix i think things balance out i think you know we look at baseball or the back of baseball cards and stats for a reason. And, and I think you start to get a good representation of who guys are. And that's why you, you can't, you can't fall off the ledge too quick for a slow starter. And you can't be, you know, too quick to pat yourself on the back for a hot starter. It's a long season. It's a marathon. Uh, Bundy's good. Just not to the level. I think his, you know, value will, cash in for you right now uh so if i could get out for something of value i would be definitely taking it yeah i'm gonna i'll break the tie here and i'm gonna say fantasy i I think i'm with joe here um you know as joe mentioned you know the slider is really the key and he um when he was really good last year he was throwing it more he went away from it and he struggled and thus far this year he's been throwing it um i but to Andy's point, I, I do think we can expect the homers to rise. I mean, there's no question about that. It's Baltimore. The weather's going to get warm. But I think we can also expect the BABIP to come down, considering the fact that he is a fly ball pitcher. I mean, fly balls are notoriously um, lower end for BABIP. Um, 
so I think those two might even out to some extent. And if they do, I think he's on his way to his breakout year with the 10 plus K per nine, which is supported by a 15% plus swing strike rate. So, I mean, if he's getting the Ks and they're up over 10 per nine um, with that sort of equaling out of the BABIP and the home runs, um, you know, I don't think he's going to be a pitcher with an ERA below three, but I think he could be a pitcher with an ERA below 3.5. And if he's getting 10 plus K per nine, you're, you're looking at a really, really solid asset, even if the team isn't that good to get him the wins. Well, here's one thing to consider as well. Uh, last year, the year of the slider, the introduction of the slider for him, he started March and April in 32 innings, had a 1.65 ERA. The Ks per nine weren't to where they are now, but still he was looking to be a great pitcher. Then May came and it went to a 3.92 ERA. Then June came, 5.93. July came, 8.41. Uh, you know, he settled back down in August a little, but he was up and down. And like I said, if you look at that last start, maybe we're getting into that realm. Possibly, but in those bad months, there was a noticeable change in the mix. Like he's, his slider percentage went from above 20%, I believe, to about 13 or, or 12%. It went from his primary secondary pitch to like uh, basically a borderline show me pitch. Joe, do I have that correct? Like that's that's what ended up happening with Bundy by a month by month basis. I'm looking. Yeah. So it was uh, April 25%, May 17%, June 18%, July 18%, and then August and September it was back to 27 and 30%. Yeah. So you're looking at like a 25% when he's throwing it 20 plus percent of the time is when he's had his really good months. Yeah. But that, that also comes with having a feel for the pitch. If this is something he just, of course, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely right about that. 100%. We can't just look at it and go, Hey, he's mastered this. And you know, all he has to do is throw the slider more yeah. and things will be right. You know? Yeah. Well, that's been the Kevin, that's been the Kevin Gossman argument for forever. Right. With Gossman. Uh, he's another one. Yeah. Well, by the way, uh, our big, well, not uh, not R, his, Ralph's, and I support him, so I guess R. Uh, big, bold <laughs> prediction you guys are is a team. Kevin Gaussman. Get him cheap while you can and expect the second half surge. He's a second half pitcher. Uh, if you can morph Bundy's first halves and Gaussman's second halves, you'd have the Baltimore ace we've been hoping one of these guys could be. So buy low on Gaussman before the, uh, the awakening comes. Oh, gas can. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call him on this show we call him Gascan. It, it fits especially with the last name <laughs> yep all right well let's get to wrap it up for us tonight um thank you andy so much for going on where, where can people find you and your work which is much more well known than anything we've ever done but go ahead plug yourself buddy not, no not true at all and i appreciate you guys having me and thanks for the kind words i mean we're all in this together we try to have to you know have fun with this uh, I, I, of course, do videos for fan tracks, uh, have it, everything I do in audio versions as well for those of you who don't want to invest the time to watch, you know, myself and any of my co-hosts or guests, you can just listen. Uh, the best thing I would recommend is just to follow me on Twitter at people's pen. Uh, it's people's with a Z, or you could just look up Andy Singleton and I should come up. Uh, that's where you can 
ask me questions and get answers to anything you'd like, whether it be sports related, NFL draft, fantasy football, fantasy baseball, prospects, you name it. I, I have my finger on the pulse of a lot of things. Uh, we could talk anything you want, music, movies, sports, uh, but I would say Twitter is the best way to find me because I share a lot of links from other people creating work such as the fine gentleman that hosts this show uh as well as other writers and you know people i'm friends with in all industries so i'm quick to share links so you can definitely find a lot of good things that i'm retweeting or just my own thoughts and comments and links to my own work so uh, i would say twitter would be the one place i would steer you before anywhere else yeah and andy, andy is absolutely a must follow andy you're the man dude Thank thanks you. for coming on bro I you are it. you're the man you're the you're you're carrying the fan tracks torch. Thank you, I appreciate that, man. MVD, don't forget a hashtag MVD. And uh, yeah, great pleasure coming on, and uh, happy to do it whenever else you need a, a fill in. For, yeah, uh, and for we Nick will of course reciprocate uh, as I express to you offline. And Joe, where can they find you? Uh, same same thing. Twitter, Joe FWO. Pat, and of course you can find me at Patrick FWO. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week. And hopefully we will continue to replace Nick with excellent guests because Nick is the worst. Peace out. <laughs>